going to be a busy one today. Happy Friday. Welcome to Couch Potato Diary. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you very much for tuning in today. As always, you can get in touch with the show on Twitter and Instagram. I am at primetimeklein, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. We got an interview on the show. You can find that on YouTube. I'm on YouTube at primetimeklein, uh, or you can just search Couch Potato Diary. Very busy show for you guys today. It is uh, Fights and Football Friday, and we got a lot of both of those. NFL Rundown. CFL rundown, the WWE with a whole lot of cuts that make no sense at all. Uh, we got a UFC card to break down, and we got one of the biggest boxing shows of the year happening this weekend as well. So it is loaded. We got Mr. Boxing in Calgary, Michael Short hopping on here in a little bit to talk about Canelo Alvarez against Caleb Plant. So, get me busy. I should probably stop the intro, and we'll just get right into it with our NFL breakdown for Week 9 didn't do one last week. We went through why I didn't. Um, so let's just get right into it here. This one, because there is so much going on, uh, probably not going to be extensive, a bit more rapid fire. And also, some games suck. For example, Buffalo taking on Jacksonville. There is not a lot to break down in this game. Buffalo is better than Jacksonville is. Buffalo, I think, will cover 14 and a half. That is my uh, feeling on this one. I just, I don't see a world where Jacksonville keeps this even a little bit close. Unless this is the definitive Trevor Lawrence game, Buffalo goes in, picks up a win, and moves on with their lives. Cool? Cool. Cleveland taking on Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati favored by two and a half points. This one, I think, needs a bit more of a breakdown. As this week, Cleveland had a breakdown as they didn't trade Odell Beckham Jr. Instead, going for the addition by subtraction route and just getting him the hell out of town. And while generally... Losing a talent like Odell Beckham Jr., and while I don't think things have gone well for Odell Beckham Jr., I do still think he is a talented football player, but having a player like that leave, I, I am generally the acquire a bunch of talent and just make everything work guy, and it was clear that that wasn't working in Cleveland. I do think, whether it's Baker Mayfield's comfort level or just how the, they, they space out the field, I believe this is a better Cleveland team without Odell Beckham Jr. I think they are going to show that here on Sunday against a Cincinnati team coming off of a bad loss. I think they'll be motivated. I still think Cincinnati is good, and they might even be better than Cleveland, but I, I'm interested to see how Cleveland handles this. It's essentially, not essentially a pick'em, uh, but we're, we're not even going through the key number of three. We're at two and a half. I, I'm probably going to wait on this one. I hope that there's a bit more money that comes in on Cincinnati to get Cleveland up to that three, three and a half range. But right now I'm taking Cleveland plus two and a half. Denver taking on Dallas. I like the Cowboys minus 10. It sounds like Dak Prescott's going to play. They beat the Vikings without Dak Prescott. And we have seen it is not a strong team on Denver. And say what you want about how Von Miller has potentially fallen off a little bit, but that that is still a loss for that defense. And so that's going to be a, a difficult one for Denver to, to really bounce back from. And I just, I, I think that there is an emotional component to that. So I like the Cowboys to cover minus 10. Miami taking on Houston. This is another one. Miami's not great, but they're better than Houston and better than Houston by a lot. So um, I have this one at five. I feel like it's at five and a half now, but I have Miami at five. So that is going to be the official prediction. Talk about this one on the Fresh Take Network with uh, for our, our sports rundown. Uh, the Raiders taking on the New York Giants. A tragic week around the Raiders as Henry Ruggs is 
charged with uh, driving under the influence, causing death. Uh, just a, a horrible, horrible, horrible story. First and foremost, uh, thoughts go out to the uh, the 23-year-old woman and her, her family, who the, the 23-year-old who passed away along with her dog in the car crash. Just a, a horrific scene. And so... It just, it breaks your heart to think about it. From a Raider standpoint, Henry Ruggs is no longer there. From a football standpoint, and again, it feels so trivial to talk about this. From a football standpoint, I don't think this is that big of a loss. Henry Ruggs was having a breakout season, but he was also only getting four targets again, uh, a game. They have Zay Jones that that can cover that. I, I, I think the Raiders will be fine. Emotionally... This is going to be a difficult one, because one of, one of your guys just is... Just did something awful and isn't there anymore. I'm not going to do the points with the Raiders. I'm just going straight money line for Vegas. I got them minus 175. Baltimore taking on the Minnesota Vikings. I like the Ravens minus six. We talked about this before. I'm not a Minnesota guy. I, I don't buy what they are selling at all. I think last week was a debilitating loss for that team. I, I think that there is going to be a bit of a crash down effect from that. So I like Baltimore minus the six. New England taking on Carolina. I am the last one on the Carolina bandwagon. Uh, I'm going Carolina plus 155. I, I I think Carolina wins this one outright. I, I'm just, I'm not there on New England. Last week was a good win against the Chargers, but the, where the Chargers struggle on defense is the exact area that New England can attack. I, I think that this is a better Panthers defense than what New England faced a week ago. And we'll, we'll see. Now this is... Very much relying on the, the status of Sam Darnold for this game. Um, and, and if there is no Sam Darnold, I'll probably just take the points instead. But for, for right now, Carolina plus 155. Chargers taking on Philadelphia. I think this is the biggest overreaction of the weekend. It's Chargers minus two. Unless Justin Herbert is hurt and I missed it, I don't see why this is only Chargers minus two. It's a plus matchup again for the running backs for Philadelphia, but for the, the Chargers are substantially better than the Philadelphia... But two? Two? Come on now. Uh, so yeah, give me the Chargers minus two all day. This is a tricky one. Arizona taking on San Francisco. Uh, the 49ers favored by a point and a half. Kyler Murray a little bit limited because of an ankle injury. DeAndre Hopkins still hasn't really practiced all week. I, I still think San Francisco... There's kind of a good team in there, but I feel like Arizona has enough weapons if DeAndre Hopkins isn't playing that A.J. Green gets to step up. Although A.J. Green dealing with COVID, so maybe he doesn't get a chance to step up. But Rondale Moore is a very talented wide receiver. Christian Kirk is a talented wide receiver. They still have two good running backs. You have Zach Ertz, who you can get involved in the passing game. If Kyler Murray is a little slowed with his ankle, I do think that there is... There's obviously a limiting factor to it, but I think that they'll be able to scheme up the offense to still be able to do some fun things. So I think Arizona covers plus one and a half. The marquee matchup that isn't as marquee anymore without Aaron Rodgers, and I talk about this a lot on the Sports Rundown podcast for my take. Check that one out there from the Fresh Take Network coming out uh, a little bit later on today. But uh, Kansas City minus seven and a half is the, the, the way that you have to go in this game. I'm so fascinated to see how Jordan Love handles this type of pressure and this type of a game. Um, but I think Kansas City rolls them. I, I think Kansas City wins this one by seven and a half. Um, Tennessee taking on the Rams. I like the Rams minus seven and a half. I'm also going to dabble on the under at uh, at 53. I don't think Tennessee is going to be able to score. I, I think this is a, a week of adjustments for Tennessee at the exact wrong time. 
Uh, so we'll see how that one goes. But I, I think the under comes in. I think the Rams are going to be able to put up points. I don't know if Tennessee is going to be able to. And uh, Monday night, Chicago, plus six and a half against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I think that one's... I don't want to say it's an easy one, but I just I don't see Pittsburgh blowing anyone out. So I think the, the Bears will be able to cover that. Moving into our CFL breakdown, it is week 14 in the Canadian Football League. Toronto, 10.5 point favorites over Ottawa. I don't think that game's ever going to be close. I, I like Toronto minus 10.5 there. And I'm going to take Montreal to cover against Winnipeg, plus 12. I, I think Montreal, the quarterback situation is not ideal in Montreal right now, and Winnipeg is just on an entirely another level. But Montreal is a good football team. I, I think there's a little disrespect in that number. So I'll go Montreal plus the 12 points. So there we go. We have broken down the football world here on Couch Potato Diary. The music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. Find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X is where the A's would be. And find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. Into the world of combat sports we go. We have a boxing breakdown with Michael Short coming up in a matter of moments. Uh, but first, the WWE with some releases last night. Uh, we were joking about it on the Fresh Take Network about how oh, th- these are going to come down as soon as the podcast is is done. And that's essentially what happened. The, the big surprise is obviously Keith Lee. And um, my buddy Mike messaged me last night. If you don't know what to do with Keith Lee, you have failed as a wrestling promotion. The second his time is, uh, his non-compete is up, he is going to be in AEW, and he is going to be able to make a gigantic impact for, for all elite wrestling. It is, I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get what you don't see with that guy. Um, I, he, he just, he screams star potential. He is a big dude who can move. He is phenomenal on the mic. He has an air about him. The main thing that really frustrates me about these, and there's a lot that frustrates me about these, but the, they literally, literally just reported $255.8 million in revenue uh, for at their third quarter um, financial report, I guess. Uh, 15% year-over-year increase. $255 million in a quarter. And... You have to let a lot of people go when, by the way, another prominent wrestling um, organization just left. Like, it's just, it it comes across very scummy to me. And you look at how Ring of Honor has handled the pandemic, and they were a glowing example, but it's cost them financially. And now the WWE, who has had several rounds of cuts during a pandemic, and they're making major, major money. It just... It doesn't seem fair, does it? Um, a couple of the other ones, like, we're not going to go through all of these and say, where do I think they're going to go? I, I do, like, again, AEW is almost bursting at the seams with talent as it is, but I think a Mia Yim going to, to, to AEW would make a whole lot of sense. I think Keith Lee, obviously, Karrion Cross would be great there 
as well. Everyone seems to love Oni Lorcan. I wouldn't be surprised if he showed up there. Uh, and Frankie Monet, I think, would be a good addition. Along with Ember Moon, would be good additions to the AEW roster. Grand Metalik and Lince Dorado, uh, they're probably going to head uh, over to Mexico and be luchadors there. And probably some form of a partnership with, with AAA uh, or AAA. Um, probably going to show up on the AEW lineup at some point. Um, other ones like B Fab, that that one makes so little sense to me. I, and I don't know if she's overly spectacular as a performer, but they just called her up. She was just part of Hit Row. She just got the mic in a a segment on Fox. Like that, there's just th this would never happen on any other TV show. You wouldn't have New Girl debut and then two episodes later with no explanation whatsoever one of the main characters just gets cast aside this doesn't happen anywhere else in entertainment i don't get it it, it is and the, the problem is they're, they're too big to fail right like they're just they're never going to not make these big amounts of money like they, they've they have the TV deals and everything set up so that they're they're just always going to make money. It doesn't matter how good their product does uh, does or or how much sense any of their things make. And there's just there is no continuity. There there is no what we talked about with Adnan a couple of weeks ago, where it's not what happened two three years ago. It's barely what happened two three weeks ago. It is just one week to the next. The left hand doesn't know what the right is doing. It is so incredibly frustrating to follow this product, and that's why it's so refreshing to see what AEW is doing right now uh ufc 268 coming up this weekend uh as mentioned this is a, a jam-packed show with a lot of information to get through so not going to go through every fight on this card but it is a good one coming up this weekend as i go through my notes here to find where i put my ufc stuff um from the prelims john volante saying this will be his last fight he takes on chris barnett in the heavyweight division on the uh, early prelims on espn plus and on fight pass edmund shabazian fighting at the middleweight in the prelims the prelim main event uh, alex Pereira taking on andreas Michaelidis, that, that should be some high quality violence there. On to the main card, and it starts off with some high quality violence as Justin Gaethje takes on Michael Chandler. For Gaethje, he comes into this fight having not fought since October of 2020 in a loss to Khabib at UFC 254. That ended a four-fight winning streak for him. He is 22-3, and three, 19 wins by knockout, but he's also lost by knockout twice. He has never lost a decision going 2-0 when the judges are required. He goes up against Michael Chandler, who is looking to bounce back from a loss in a title fight back at UFC 262 in May of this year. That was his second fight in the Ultimate Fighting Championship since his uh, after his debut in January of 2021 in a win over Dan Hooker. This is going to be an absolute blast that this is going to be so 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 much fun i would guess that you if you were looking to wager a little bit on this one uh coming up on saturday night that you would want to do so by taking the under on the number of rounds i think this is going to be a quick one but i think it's going to be a whole lot of fun i just think michael chandler is a little bit better but it is it's fun when you think about Justin Gaethje, the king of World Series of Fighting, taking on Michael Chandler, one of the kings uh, of Bellator, and they're going to be fighting in the UFC's octagon coming up on Saturday night. I, I love it. I can't wait. It's going to be 
just a whole lot of fun. Uh, I am picking Chandler in this one. In the middleweight division, it is Shane Burgos going up against Billy Carantillo. Um, Billy is has been in the UFC for long enough that I should be able to say his name right. Uh, he, he makes his way into the UFC coming off of a knockout win on Dana White's Contender Series back in 2019. Since then, he has gone 4-1, and one, the judges required in two of those occasions, while Burgos is looking to bounce back after back-to-back losses to Edson Barbosa and Josh Emmett. He has just one fight in 2020, and this will be his second fight in 2021. Burgos desperately needs a win. This is a big step up in competition for uh, Billy. I believe I said that this was a bout in the middleweight division. That is uh, factually incorrect. I was looking at the wrong thing. Uh, This is obviously a fight at featherweight. So not close uh, whatsoever. Uh, I'm going to go with Billy on this one. Uh, I think that Carantillo is going to be able to get this done. And I think it's going to be a win for the former king of the cage lightweight champion. Could be the last time we see Frankie Edgar inside the UFC's octagon as the 40-year-old steps in there against Marlon Vera. Uh, Vera is alternated wins and losses in his last five bouts, beating Davey Grant after a unanimous decision loss to Jose Aldo in December of 2020. That followed a knockout victory over Sean O'Malley back at UFC 252. For Frankie Edgar, uh, the back end of his career has not been kind to him, as he is 2-4 and four in his last six fights, coming off of a knockout loss to Corey Sandhagen at an USC Fight Night card in Las Vegas back in February. His last win coming also uh, in Vegas in his bantamweight debut, where he beat Pedro Munoz. By split decision. The last time that Frankie Edgar won a fight where the judges scorecard was not required was a doctor stoppage uh, after the second round of UFC 211 in his bout with Yair Rodriguez. I just, I don't see this going Frankie Edgar's way. And I think we get a retirement in the cage. That That's kind of where I think this goes. I, I think Marlon Vera is going to, to be able to get a finish in this one. I, I would suggest that Vera gets the win uh, and gets a, a stoppage win. He has stopped a whole lot of fights uh, very recently. A decision win, as mentioned in his last fight, but before that, victory, Sean O'Malley, TKO. Andrew Ewell, TKO. Submission win at UFC 239. A TKO win back in 2019. A submission win back in 2018. TKO win in 2018. This is someone who has put a hurtin' on a lot of guys very recently. I think Marlon Vera continues that run. Here, Rose Namajunas defends the UFC Women's Strawweight Championship that she won from Zhang Weili against Zhang Weili coming up tomorrow night in the UFC's Octagon. She beat Zhang Weili by head kick at UFC 261 in April in the first round to reclaim the Women's Strawweight Championship. The only losses in her UFC career are to... High up, I mean, the only losses in her entire career are to fighters who are high up. Tisha Torres, Carla Esparza, Corlina Kovacevic, and Jessica Andrade. She got the Andrade win back. She has not got the uh, Carla Esparza win back. She did, however, get a win over Tisha Torres a few years after falling in that one. Um, 
going up against Zhang Weili, the former UFC strawweight champion who just saw a 21 fight win streak come to a close at the hands of Rose Namajunas. Uh, that fight was following one of the fights of the year, one of the fights of ever, when she defeated Ioana Janjacek to defend the UFC's strawweight championship, a split decision win over Ioana there. I, I think Rose is able to get it done. I, I favored Rose in that fight. I favor her in this one as well. I just, she just seems like she is on another level right now. She seems like she has found another stratosphere for her game to go to that I, I don't know if Zhang Weili can match. So I, I'm going to go Rose Namajunas. I think this one does end up going the distance, however, and I think it's going to be a bit of a crazy fight. And then in the main event, Kamaru Usman once again defends his UFC welterweight championship against Colby Covington. It was Covington who Usman first defended the title against back in 2019, breaking Colby Covington's jaw with 50 seconds to go in their UFC 245 bout. After that, Usman picked up a unanimous decision win over Jorge Masvidal, a TKO win over Gilbert Burns, and then in April, it was a KO victory of Jorge Masvidal in the second round of their welterweight title fight. Usman is riding an 18-fight winning streak into this matchup with Colby Covington, who has one win since that UFC 245 loss in 2019. It is against Tyron Woodley back in September of 2000. 20. In the time that these two fighters have faced each other, we do not have a lot of in-cage examples of Colby Covington's growth as a mixed martial artist. We do have examples of Kamaru Usman's growth as a mixed martial artist. That does not mean that Colby has not grown as a mixed martial artist, don't believe he's grown as a person, but from a mixed martial arts standpoint, I, f I just feel like everything Colby can do, Kamaro can do it better. And we've seen before, that doesn't always mean someone just pitches a shutout. But Kamaro Usman, again, much like Rose Namajunas, Usman has found another level to his game. He is no longer just a lay-and-play play wrestler. He is someone who can knock dudes the bleep out. I think Kamaru Usman gets it done. I think it is an emphatic victory. And I think we start to talk about him, not in the George St. Pierre category, but in the, hey... Is he the best welterweight in UFC history not named George St. Pierre? I think we get into that Matt Hughes discussion coming up on Saturday night. That's the UFC portion of things. What about the boxing side? Well, I chatted with Mr. Boxing in Calgary, Michael Short from Dakota, to get his thoughts on what is going to go down Saturday night at MGM Grand Garden Arena between Canelo Alvarez and Caleb Plant. The biggest name in the sport of boxing is back at it this weekend as Canelo Alvarez takes on Caleb Plant. Only one person worthy of breaking it down with us, and that is Mr. Boxing in Calgary, Michael Short. Mr. Boxing, how are you today, sir? Hey, I'm doing great, Peter. Thanks for doing this. Uh, this is a big weekend in boxing for sure. Watching a master uh, move a little bit further into greatness. So, yeah, it's uh, like you just said, he's, uh, he's the face of boxing right now. And one of the things that I like about him, um, it, it's he's not just going for the money fights. Uh, with all due respect to Caleb Plant, if that's what he was doing, this fight would not be happening. Um, he, he is, it feels like anyway, from my perspective, he's going a lot on merit. Like, oh, this guy is the, the next challenger. Okay, I guess I'm fighting that guy. There's a confidence that whenever I'm fighting, I'm the draw. We're going to make money regardless. Uh, and I, I really respect that about him. He's not just going for the big fights. It's let's, who is the next worthy challenger? This guy? Okay, I'm fighting this guy then. Yeah, and you know, sometimes these are pushed by the uh, organizations. So for instance, you know, Caleb Plant holds, holds a world title. 
and this is a way to unify those titles. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get into the details of, of the competition of the fight coming up here, but uh, yeah, you know, this is a worthy opponent. He's an undefeated guy, and he's got a world title belt, and he, you know, he's definitely legitimate uh, in his own right. But um, you know, there, there's levels to to boxing, and I, I think uh, Canelo will demonstrate that um, on fight night. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of your excitement level for this fight, where, where are you at right now? Are, are you buzzing for this one or, or I guess like, well, yeah, where, where is your excitement level at? Oh, absolutely. I'm going to, I'm going to buy the pay-per-view for sure. You know, I, I'm you, you call me Mr. Boxing YYC and yeah, I, I'm definitely a boxing fan. I, I love the sport and it's a chance to watch one of the greats of, of this era. And, you know, I for sure will spend whatever it is, 80 bucks, I think is the uh, Showtime pay-per-view price tag. And, yeah, for, for sure. I'm, I'm going to definitely watch it. it. Makes a fun evening, you know, and uh, you make something really fun for dinner and you have a made up fights uh, in your living room. So, yeah, always an event with Canelo as well. And you mentioned this is the first time back on pay-per-view for a little bit. Uh, the, the thing with the zone doesn't seem like it went particularly well for him financially. I think it went well. But um, are you are you surprised at all that we're seeing Canelo back on, on pay-per-view? Well, I'm not so much surprised. I, I think Showtime's uh, the, the main the main one still doing that that style of pay per view as opposed to you know ESPN Plus, the Zone, uh, that kind of thing. So, but you're talking about big money being generated for these things, and mm-hmm. it's got to come from somewhere. You know, they got huge live gates. They got they got big audiences for these things. Uh, this one is, I believe, it's MGM Grand, so that'll be a sold out arena in Las Vegas. And, you know, they, they have to generate the money somehow. Canelo is a humongous draw. He's making, you know, really, really big money. Um, Floyd Mayweather type money before Floyd, you know, retired and then made the biggest money of his career, you know, with some of these gimmick matches and stuff. So, but yeah, you know, he is going to be needing to get paid what he's deserving and you got to generate that somehow so that's that's how it's going is the old school pay-per-view and i think this fight generates the interest enough to uh warrant uh, uh pay-per-view as well mm-hmm. as far as the build goes we saw these guys i believe it was back in september there was a, a bit of a skirmish at a press conference which a skirmish at a boxing conference i am stunned uh, <laughs> but what have you thought of the the build-up for the, this pay-per-view fight saturday night hey that was that was legit heat mm-hmm. um uh, Canelo, you know, he, he pushes uh, uh, Caleb Plant. Caleb comes back, slaps him across the face, and Canelo let one fly, and he actually cut him underneath the eye. Like, it, it could have possibly delayed the, the fight. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it wasn't a work. It wasn't WWE style. It was legit heat. And Canelo just, you know, he's building up that he doesn't like this guy, and he's going to show him levels of boxing and all that kind of talk. So... Yeah, you know, it's uh, definitely legit heat between the two. and uh, So that, that, that makes for an exciting uh, uh, stare down at the weigh-ins. It makes for an exciting uh, first couple rounds of the fight as well. So it's, it's going to be pretty good. Pretty uh, as, good far, as far as the fight is concerned, um, for, for Caleb Plant, this is obviously the toughest fighter he's ever fought. Uh, Canelo... Uh, I would say is the toughest fighter that most fighters who have fought Canelo has ever fought. Um, so for, for Caleb Plant, how, how do you think he handles this, this giant step up in competition? Um, I, I guess, I don't know, maybe that's sort of a loaded question. Cause I, I don't think he does handle it. 
Oh, okay. Very well. Um, I, I obviously he's going to have a game plan going in, and he's got a tremendous amount of self confidence, and you know he, he's definitely, you know, he's confident going in. He believes in himself, and all that will take him some some a, a little ways. But in my opinion, there's nothing that he does that's really fabulous. He's, he's, you know, when we say in boxing, this guy's got a puncher's chance. You know, mm-hmm. somebody like Wilder, he's always got a puncher's chance. Right till the final 10-second bell, like you know, he's always got that puncher's chance. Well, Caleb Plant doesn't have that. He, he's, he's not he's not superb at any one thing. So he's not he's a pretty decent boxer. He moves well. He, he puts punches together well. He slips. He, he slides. He ducks. He bobs. He weaves. And he's he's okay with some of the power, but yeah, I, I, so was Billy Joe Saunders, right? So Billy was undefeated. He was a good boxer, you know, and he looked very very well and very crafty against guys like David Lemieux and stuff like that. But Caleb Plant, um, I, I'm not I'm not an expert, and I'm not going to say that he's going to get taken out in the eighth round like Billy Joe Saunders was, but. You know, this is possibly a pretty good comparison fight because that was Canelo's last opponent. And I would see Caleb not not faring very well after maybe about the fourth or fifth round. And depends, you know, he might have to shuffle the deck, as Archie Moore used to say, and just start to look to survive if he wants to go the 12 rounds. You know, uh, what was that, that big British guy, uh, Callum Smith? Mm-hmm. He went 12 rounds with Canelo, but it was a very rough night for him. You know, he had height and reach and stuff like that that helped him out a little bit. So that may be what ends up happening with Caleb Plant, that after after a few rounds, six, seven rounds, that he just literally starts to go into survival mode, running, uh, holding, you know, that kind of stuff. So I don't, I don't think he fares very well after the, after the six rounds, so. For, for a fight to go that way, is that just like Canelo has now figured out what you are doing and now he, he's kind of, okay, this is how I adjust and now we, we go about it that way. Is that more what Canelo is doing than what the other fighter isn't doing? Yeah, you know, Can- Canelo is definitely becoming a master of this craft. You know, he's always constantly working. He works like he's broke. He works like he's a contender. He's, he's always developing his skills and working on the details and, you know, even like literally going back to basics on a consistent basis so um he's just at a different level like he's just separating himself so far but even when floyd mayweather was at the top of his game and he was at a different level that we would consider uh, there were still guys that went the distance with floyd and you know they would lose every round but they would still go the distance so i i just think you're going to see uh guys like this canolo maybe has to find a way that he uh, he has to get motivated for the fight, so he has to develop some anger towards him or something like this. He, he has to develop something on his own to get him motivated for this guy. But Canelo is at a different level than this guy, and you're going to see, you know, you're going to see that difference on Saturday night. You mentioned something in there that I've really appreciated about Canelo over the years is that he, he prepares like a contender and he, he has won some fights by razor thin margins. And it's almost like he treated those as losses as he's and he's come out of those and he's adjusted that. That's the thing I've really appreciated about Canelo is that even though he is this pound for pound great and he is this this big draw in boxing, he is still learning from his mistakes and not just eh, I'm Canelo. I can do what I want. He, he's he's actually growing and evolving as a fighter, even when he is one of the best in the world. 
Well, absolutely. And that's what's separating him from, from the pack. You know, he's, he's definitely evolved to a point where, I mean, uh, let, let's face it. He went up and he fought Kovalev, light heavyweight. You know, mm-hmm. this, this is Canelo. You know, he was basically 140, 154 pounder. You know, he was smaller guy. I think he's only about five foot eight. Goes and takes on Kovalev at light heavyweight. Kovalev cuts down from 200 pounds down to 175. And, you know, you can kind of say that Kovalev, I'm not going to say that he was shot, but he was definitely at the back, you know, back nine of his career. Mm-hmm. And Canelo, you know, takes him out quite workmanlike. You know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a very difficult fight for him. I don't think that uh, Caleb Plant could have done that. Caleb Plant might have outboxed Kovalev, but he wouldn't have taken him out that way and beat him up. Same thing with uh, Triple G. I don't think Caleb Plant would have handled the power of Triple G. So w- when I say that Caleb doesn't do anything that's spectacular or really fabulous, like he hasn't been in with those kind of guys yet. He hasn't fought a guy with, with you know, the, the biggest power in the division, for instance, like a Triple G, and handled that. Mm-hmm. Even uh, Canelo, when he fought Kirkland, Kirkland had a – he was a big puncher. You know, he was uh, – very, very good, very good puncher and very uh, rough, uh, strong, tough guy on the inside. And, you know, Canelo dealt with that. No problem at all. Like, it was very easy for him. I believe he won both uh, of the Triple G fights, even though the first one was declared a draw. I believe uh, Canelo won it, but he definitely won the second fight. And mm-hmm. I don't think Caleb Plant could have dealt with that kind of adversity. And he hasn't dealt with that kind of adversity yet in his career. He's he's outboxed guys and you know, he's, he's okay. He's a very decent competitor, but not at Canelo's level. So, yeah. Um, you, you've trained a number of fighters in a number of different situations. You, you've been the, the trainer for a fighter who was very much expected to, to go in there and be victorious. And you've trained fighters who have gone in the, the underdog role. Um, we'll, we'll start with the, the Canelo side of things. As you mentioned, not many people expect it outside of the Caleb Plant household, expecting Caleb Plant to have a successful night. Um, when you have a fighter who is expected to kind of run through their competition, is it difficult to, to keep them motivated for a training camp? It depends on the trainer, how they would talk to him, because you never want to say the, you know, the type of things like you, you would never tell, tell your fighter, Oh yeah, easy work. It's going to be a cake walk. You'd never say, it. I would go opposite. I would say, look, this guy's got the chance to upset your whole world. He's, he's here to take everything that you've worked for up to this point. You make one mistake and you're going to get crushed. And that, that, that's, that's the terms that I would use during training and in the corner, you know, pre-fight, all that kind of stuff. I would let them know that, yeah, that this guy's here to take everything away from you. And he's got the ability to do it if you make a mistake. So it's in your hand. And this, this type of theme is how I, would, how I would talk to my fighter. I would never let him take his foot off the gas in training. In fact, we would push even more because of the expectation that Canelo is supposed to win. And mm-hmm. if he if he makes mistakes, if he if he lags in training, if he doesn't do the work that he's supposed to do, that's when you get those upsets, you know, like Buster Douglas versus Mike Tyson. Buster was a I think a 50 to 1 underdog. 50 to 1. And mm-hmm. look what happened, you know? Yep. 
Um, that, that, that certainly seems like I'm ready to go out and do some road work and I don't even have anything to get ready for. Um, on the, uh, on the Caleb Plant side of things, as mentioned, no one is really believing that Caleb Plant can do this. How, how would you, that, that one seems to almost write itself. Um, but, but how would you handle a training camp for a fighter who, who is facing those long odds? Well, you know, Caleb's uh, training has to rise up a little bit from what he's done in the past. He's got to prepare himself mentally and emotionally for what he's about to face and, and, and physically, of course, but he's got to know the odds are against him and you can't hide that. You can't act like, you know, he's, he's better than Canelo because he hasn't been there yet. He hasn't been pushed to that point yet. And, you know, you, you develop a game plan. Everybody, you look at them like a skeleton and you see, okay, so this is what the guy does well. This is what he, what he doesn't do well and find a hole in his game that you can exploit. Now, as I alluded to earlier, if your fighter has something, like one thing that he can do spectacular, like, you know, obviously in pro boxing, they like the power punches. If your fighter has that, you, you work on something that you can catch Canelo with. So if he's got a tremendous punch, then you work on landing that one punch, landing that right hand, right, for the full 12 rounds, whatever it may be. If he's, a, if he's a very slick boxer, you know, like Arislandi Aris Lara, he outboxed Canelo. Canelo got the decision, but, you know, Lara, let's face it, he did outbox and he worked well against Canelo. So you got to take some of those blueprints. Um, so you live by your game plan and you die by your game plan, is what I'm trying to say here. And right. that's what you have to do. You have to develop okay, when Canelo does this, we're going to work on this. If this happens, this is how we're going to, you know, we're going to change up. And anything can happen in boxing. So don't, don't, you know, don't think that, you know, something can't go wrong. I mean, Canelo can tear his knee. He can uh, break his hand. He can rip a shoulder out of place. He can have an off night. He can just be flat. Like he walks up those stairs and he's just flat. And in the corner, they have to be able to recognize certain things like that happening. They have to be able to understand like, Canelo was not able to throw his right hand, you know, like, you know, work, work, work from your left, work, work from your left side. You can't, something's wrong with his left hand or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, that, that's just it. You live by the game plan, you die by it and, and you develop your strategy. And then during the fight, of course, you have to flow with the goal and change up as things arise. So if you get cut, if you, if you get knocked down, if, if you get hurt, injured, you know, these kinds of things for the other guy. So, um, it, it seems pretty clear where, where you're, you're leading for this fight, but, uh, can we get an, uh, an official prediction of how you think this fight goes down on Saturday? Yeah. You know, I, I think Canelo just kind of takes this time for the first couple of rounds. And, and I, I think he's just, you know, going to work, uh, you know, systematically break, break, uh, Caleb down. He's not going to take foolish chances and put his chin out to say, here, I dare you to hit me. But he's, he's going to be Canelo. He's going to be a good boxer. He's going to work well behind that jab. Uh, I think he's going to dig to the body. If you look at some of the strategies he's employed with that Callum Smith fight, like I say, Callum was, I think, 6'3", 6'4", and Canelo's 5'8". And so all he did is he pulled a page out of the Rocky Marciano handbook, and he was uh, hitting Callum Smith's shoulders, arms, and elbows and breaking his you know, his, his arms down said he couldn't even punch anymore towards the end of the fight, even though it did go 12 rounds, uh, he shut him down. 
So I think uh, I'd be a genius if I could say that he's going to stop Caleb by the eighth round, which is what he did against uh, Billy Joel Saunders. But that might be the best kind of blueprint of the two because, you know, Billy Joel is a decent boxer, decent puncher, decent defense, but he's not a master. And I see the same thing about uh, about Caleb. Is he's a decent guy. He's got a world title. He's undefeated. He believes in himself. But he's just not at Canelo's level. And unless something you know crazy happens, such as you know a Manny Pacquiao, Jeff Horn type of decision, hmm. um, I think that the ten rounds, maybe as low as eight rounds, and just you know systematically breaks him down and crushes him. Always love breaking fights down with you, sir. Thank you for doing this today, and we'll chat again soon. Yeah, this is not financial advice, but if you were to bet, you would bet on Canelo. Yeah, yeah, and uh, probably a, a finish in there might uh, might help the odds out as well. Um, all right, thank yeah, you very much, sure. Mr. Boxing. Have a good one. Yeah, right on. See ya. All right. That's Mr. Boxing. That's a show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, for downloading and listening today. Uh, hopefully, th- this was a lot. So hopefully you guys uh, enjoyed all the information that we threw at you today. If you have any thoughts, I am always Twitter and Instagram at PrimetimeKline, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. You can see the interview with Michael Short from Dakota up on YouTube uh, a little bit later on, probably sometime tomorrow. Thank you guys so much. Enjoy the fights. Talk to you all on Monday. I'm out.